coats down, Hosanna, save now, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. This is going to be great. Finally, Jesus is going to take authority and work things out, and now he's at Passover in the upper room. Tension has become extreme, and the conflict with the religious leaders, and he's in the middle of and finishing the Passover meal, and he's changing things and saying things that are just making these guys disrot. It's important that you look at this, and as he's speaking, this isn't a poetry session where people are sitting and, you know, sipping a little coffee, and, oh, this is beautiful. Say that again. (laughs) These guys are in turmoil, okay? These men are, like, confused, Peter, you're going to, one of you is going to betray me and get me killed. That alone would be enough, wouldn't it? Peter, you're standing up big shot. You're, you're going to, you're going to deny you even know me. All of you are going to be scattered. I'm leaving. Does this sound like a happy meal? <laughs> this is a little tough. So we're in the middle of it, but he did say, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. We'll just pick it up because I wouldn't know how to, in plus of time. A little longer, verse 19. And the world will see me no more. Here's some more good news for them. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Well, that is good news, but do they understand it? And at that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Well, it's really um, an algebra equation he just gave them. You'll see my good algebra here. Like, you know, like if x plus y equals z and y minus x equals z or blah, 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 you kind of find out what x or y is by using the other ones, you know, the deduction that happens in, in algebra. You know, Ray, would you get up here and do this for me? Because <laughs> he he's had to do it through, through, uh, through his uh, electric. Anyway, this is what's happening here. He goes, listen, you're in me, Jesus, and I'm in you, and I'm in God, and the Father's in me. It makes us all one. It makes us have unity. We have the mind of Christ. We have unity. We have communion in our heart and our spirit, a, a, a relationship. We have joy that comes from relationship. And then he says, and if you love me, um, not only am I going to be with you and the world won't see me, but you'll know that I'm alive. You'll see me. He also says, you've got to have my commands and keep them and love me. Now, this might sound like um, some kind of heavy um, pressure upon them, but You know, there are scriptures, as my friend John Wilkerson said to me, that are prescriptive, that tell you what you should do, and there are scriptures that are descriptive. Did I get that right? That are descriptive, um, which I knew the concept, but I never used those terms, that are descriptive and tell you what's going to happen. And, and you know, it's kind of like keeping loving me and keeping my commandments. It's much like I am the Lord in the Old Testament. I am the Lord, you're my people. Be holy, for I, your Lord, am holy. It is prescriptive. This is what I want you to be. But may I suggest to you that these things are also descriptive. You know, my daughter Beth was up here with her children this week, her family. And Layla, especially the younger that she's been, she's getting older and having her own face a little bit. But it was uncanny how much in her two- and three-year-old time it was, whoa, is this, am I back to being a dad? Because it was Beth at three years old. She is a spinning image of her mother in so many ways. It's, she's just so beautiful, and she's so a little Beth in her physical being. You know Why? Because she has her genes. They're in her, you know? And, uh, 
and uh, the kids are going to get stuff from their parents. You know, my kids got from me things that a little bit that's okay, and then a little bit it's like, oh, God, have mercy, <laughs> you know, because they picked up my stuff, right? My genes, and um, yeah. So this is how it works, you know. Your mind, be holy. You're going to be holy because you're mine. You belong to me. And, and, and so here his word that he gives them is, as you keep my word and obey me, you have fellowship with me. That's koinonia, this oneness. That's the Greek word. Uh, again, that's relationship. And he says, um, kind of where Paul goes with us in, in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man that's in him? Which is just a real simple way of saying, how do we relate and have knowledge about each other and humanly? You know, I know your dog loves you or your cat loves you, and I know they look at you with those big brown or blue eyes, but my friend, they don't really understand you. They understand a part of you, but they don't know all your emotions. They don't know why you think the way you do. They just know they love you, and they can tell when you're sad, and they can be a great comfort. I love his, I won't say his name, he's laying over there. I love the guy, and I know he loves me, but I don't go to the dog for, like, let me tell you exactly how I feel, and I want you to share with me, because he'll lick me and beg for food, (laughs) and that's it. You know, and he'll, he'll, he'll comfort me, but he won't talk to me straight. He won't understand me. And I think you knew this, but some people don't. <laughs> and they put animals at equal to humans, and animals are not equal to humans, and if you're mad, you're mad. But animals and humans are different. We're a special creation of God, and we have an ability to be connected to God in a way we can't be. We can be with creation, we can be with our animals, and I love it, but there's a difference. And only a man, a human, knows a human. And only the Spirit of God knows the Spirit of God, and he put his Spirit in you so that you would know the things. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These are known by the Spirit of God. I can't humanly, in all the brain power you want to muster, eat all the... um, you know, ginkgo balbo, whatever that stuff is. Do everything you can do to bolster your mind, and you won't comprehend God. Yet Jesus says, I'm going to come and make myself known to you. I'm going to un- un- take away the curtains from you seeing who I really am. He had said, I won't leave you orphans. I'll come to you. In the same breath, he's continuing his thought. Listen, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, in the same breath, he says, we're going to be with you because they are the same breath. He says it in the same breath because Father, Son, and Spirit are the same breath. And you will know gnosis, and it's kind of one of those interesting things. There's head knowledge, and then there's this word in the Greek, gnosis, which means by experience, and it's intimate knowledge, a, a real personal knowledge. This is what I'm giving to you. So when he says, keep my commandments, he goes on, and Judas says to him in verse 22, Lord, how is it that you will make yourself known to us, manifest yourself to us, and not to the world? I mean, he doesn't understand this. And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Folks, it is the litmus test of loving Jesus. If you know he said something to you directly, that's the thing you do. That's the thing you appreciate. That's the thing you receive. Is it perfection? None of us is. Is it arbitrary that he says this is just a command for works righteousness, rule keeping? 
Well, what was the great commandment Jesus gave? It was just a chapter ago, if you will. In chapter 13, which is part of the same event, he says, love one another. I give you a new commandment. Love one another as a mother loves her baby. Is that what he said? As a father loves his son. No, what did he say? Love one another as, as I have loved you. Okay? That's the genetic code. The spiritual, he's saying you're going to have the genes, spiritual, can I use that term? You're going to have the genome, you're going to have the strand, and it's going to be in you, because you're going to be able to do what I do, not because you just think about it and think it's right and agree with it. You're going to be able to do what I do because I'm going to come to you, and it's going to be me living through you. Listen, I thought I was a pretty loving guy. I'm not down on myself. I don't hate myself. And I know I have some good qualities of you. <laughs> but my love has a very quick stopping point. It kind of falls short. And if it's just on me to love you with Jesus, the way Jesus loves you because of my own, okay, I'm going to huff and puff, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give this love, I'm going to fall short and become bitter and frustrated and just hopeless. It is a curse and a burden if you take it that way. It is a joy and an exciting, hopeful thing to realize that Jesus, and I'm so aware of how much I need him to live through me. Are you aware of, his, of, the, of your need? That's not a bad thing, my friends. That's a good thing. God rue the day when you go, I don't really, yeah, I'm, I've got this wired. I don't need Jesus to live through me. That would be a horrific thing. So, it's great commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. It wasn't arbitrary. And that's why on the front of your bulletin it says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. It's all one breath. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Well, some would say they are, because it is a burden when you're trying to operate in human nature by yourself. And you feel like you have this list of rules in front of you, arbitrarily made by God. How can I make people squirm and suffer? Well, I'll give them a desire for this, and I'll say, you can't do it. Well, that's the way people look at God. You know, but I'm going to tell you something that you've probably never heard here before. Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. Okay, you've heard it quite a few times if you've been here. I'm going to say it again. Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. Huge difference. Get it down. Make sure you understand it. I use the quote because it stuck with me and reminds me what Jesus is saying right here. God is love, and he's more than love. But God's nature is pure and holy, and he's the creator, and he knows what makes me tick. And he's kind of watched me, and he's seen what sin does to me. Do you know that God has seen what sin does to you? <laughs> He's not, he doesn't hide when that happens. He sees it all. You know, when it says God can't look upon sin, it means he can't embrace it and welcome it. It doesn't mean he can't stand to see it and he turns away and is lost somewhere. <laughs> no, he sees everything that happens. It's, it's a metaphor for a different understanding. So, Sin is bad because it's forbidden. Do I understand that? Well, if it burdens me to follow the Lord and obey him, that's my flesh speaking. That's my human nature, unregenerate. That's, that's the part of me that has been crucified with Christ. 
but it's rising its head. Because my heart, my spirit wants to follow God. Your spirit wants to follow God. Your born-again, revived spirit is in love with God. He's put it in you. The gene is there. You're fighting a battle, maybe. We get that. You do fight battles. We all do. But, you know, Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast and stand firm in the, in, the, in the liberty which with Christ has set you free. Don't be entangled again in this burden, this chain or yoke of bondage to legalism and a bunch of rules, and you think, if I just keep these rules, everything will be fine. No, follow God in the Spirit, but do love him. How do you do that? You love his people. You put others first. You put Jesus first. And, and the things that he says to do or to not do, you realize that this is for your benefit. You're not giving God jollies, making him feel better about himself because you do what he says. Oh, I was wondering if I was really a secure person, but now that Rick is obeying me, I feel better about myself. Can you imagine that? Don't follow a God like that. He's useless to you and to himself because it's made up in human minds. Oh, God's just, I just want to see people obey. What else do you want from people? Nothing. I just want them to squirm and obey. That's who I am. Are you kidding me? Do, do, do you, some people believe that because they've been molded by life and problems and haven't really experienced clearly the Holy Spirit working in their life. I'm not blaming people for that. I'm saying the enemy's done a number on people to make them think God is mean. And that he doesn't have your best interest at heart. Listen, sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. It's forbidden because it's bad. You know, When I cross the street with my little children, or now my grandchildren, and I say, hold my hand, and it's a busy, if, it's a, if it's a parking lot and there's nothing going on there, I just let them hold my fingers and I can see around there's no cars. But when I cross a busy street, I say, hold my hand, and really, who's holding who? I'm holding them. God is holding on to us, and he's keeping us. And Romans 6 says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from righteousness. Before you were a Christian, you were free from having to worry about righteousness and God's ways. And what benefit did you derive from the things of which you're now ashamed? You know, unrestrained, unrestrained. We, li- we live in an age, as, as you know, there's a lot of unrestrained expression. Okay, as if that's freedom. It's like a black hole where people are falling deeper into because they're unrestrained and have no guidance and boundaries in their lives. That doesn't help you. That leaves you as a loose cannon and tumbles you down a deep ditch and leaves you bloody and battered and also those along your way. That's not freedom. And that is not strength. The person who says, I just say whatever's on my mind. You've heard me say this before, but it kind of... Well, you mean you have no control over your tongue and you don't control yourself and you're saying that makes you strong? You know? Even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, is thought to be wise. I'll try it sometime. (laughs) Here I am talking. But, you know, what benefit did you get from those things of which you're now ashamed? Don't be drawn back into those things. And listen, you're not the first person. This isn't like, it's just you. Nobody else is like you. You're, you're ha- Boy, he's talking right to me. Now, I hope that's true. But remember that Israel was out in the wilderness. They saw ten plagues, and most of the plagues didn't touch them, touched just Egypt. 
they left on God's command, and, and the Egyptian firstborn are dead. The Red Sea parts, manna falls from heaven, a rock, a rock in a dry place brings forth fountains of water, etc., etc., etc. And every time they came up against that hard moment, the, their famous last words were, Would to God we had died in Egypt. Don't think it's a new thing. Don't think it's only you or the person you're thinking about. And don't think it can't happen to you. We don't say the words, would to God we had died in Egypt. And we might not say any words, but they're inside our mind. It would have been better if I never became a Christian. That happens to people. Again, I don't say this with anger or animosity. It's for instructive purposes is to say that this is the tendency of man in the flesh, and there's a battle between your spirit and your flesh, and you have to identify that battle. Okay. Let your spirit, that's God's revealed himself to you, it's in the spirit, and you're going to need to yield to and lean on the Holy Spirit. And to cry out to God like our songs cry out, the reason they cry out is because that's what man has to do. And it's not a one-time shot. Yeah, David said, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. And then you go a few more psalms later, and I cried again. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay to cry out to God. Because you're either going to lean on him or you're going to turn to some other form of comfort, help, and assurance. And it's going to harm you. It's not God getting you. for not. Why didn't you come to me now? I'm going to really smack you down. No, the Lord's extending his hand saying, come to me and let me be your strength. But you know, you and I have choices there and God allows us that so he's going to manifest himself his nature God is light in him is no darkness at all I don't even know what that's like to just think about pure holiness pure light pure love pure truth whatever it is about God it's not tainted you know it's really hard for me to be untainted how about you I mean I have to fight and I'm I fight it and I take victory over it, too. So don't think every time I talk to you and say, how you doing, I'm just trying to get something from you, because I'm not. <laughs> really, I'm not. But I see that I have a battle, do you, about your motives? Why were you so gentle with that person? Why were you so harsh with that person? Was it just that you were just doing the best you could to honor God in that moment? Or was it something about you? Something touched a nerve in you? Something that you wanted to protect, something that you wanted to get, something you didn't want to happen. You know, we're, we're, God's complex, and we're somewhat complex, too. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, don't psychoanalyze yourself, but when the, Lord, the Holy Spirit will show you your motives sometimes. And you know what? You get this great gift. You get to repent. You get to say, Lord, I'm sorry. That's me trying to accomplish things through my own energy instead of letting you be in charge and sometimes that causes you to change how you behave with other people. A lot that will happen. <laughs> if we let him, that will happen a lot. So Judas, not Iscariot, the other Judas, has a, has a reasonable question because he can't see everything's coming. He saw that triumphal entry. He was thinking, oh boy, here we go. Jesus has taken over. I wonder what my spot will be. But now all of them are having this confusion and struggle. And Jesus is more concerned at his work in them then his work through them. Now, when I say that, does God have plans to work through them? Hey, they're the 12, 11 now apostles. Is God going to work through them? Hey, he's going to use them to turn the world upside down. But 
rule-keeping won't make that happen. Okay, we got a list of rules. Now we're going to turn the world upside down. That doesn't happen. Um, they would need a relationship. God has to illuminate their hearts. They'll need to know that if he's for us, if he's with us, if he's in us, who can be against us? We, and, and Jesus says, we'll, we're going to come to the person who turns to us, turns to me, turns to the Father, and we're going to come and make our home in him. That is an amazing thing. You see, at Christmas, we'll celebrate Emmanuel, Hebrew for God with us. Lots of songs, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God came to be with us. Am I against it? No, I'm all for it. I love Christmas. I love that concept. I love teaching it. I love talking to people about it. Jesus came to be with us. But it doesn't stop there. That's not enough. Because if Jesus only comes with us, he can walk us right up to the edge of the, of the cliff and then say, well, I'll see you, or I won't, and we go over the cliff. Jesus had to come and die on the cross, pay the penalty, rise from the dead, ascend to the Father, send the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, and then he can work through us. And yes, he wants to work through us, but his work in you is far more... Or- Listen, he can raise up stones to worship and praise. So if you don't want to praise him and worship him, that's okay. He'll get a rock. And he'll get a rock group. All right. So um, another reason I'm not a professional comedian. All right. So Emmanuel, God with us, is the mystery of the ages. Uh, It was first him to come to us and be with us, then to come in us, and then to overwhelm us and work through us. So don't try to put plastic fruit on the outside edges of the tree hook up to the root. Make that your goal. You know, I'm going to overcome sin in my life, and I'm go- I-, I see the Lord teaching me right now, like, Rick, you just need to press into me. You-, you don't need to just fix this problem. You need to come close to me and let me strengthen you. And it's very hard for us. Listen, I, I-, I-, I acknowledge that it's hard. Um, when, you- when I first time I rode a bike, my dad put me on a 26-inch bike, and I wasn't tall enough to reach the pedals, and... Uh, and I just barely got my toes to push it around again, and he sent me on my way, and I fell, and he said, yeah, get up. <laughs> and I kept, I was bruised from head to toe at the end of the day, but I was riding a bike. And um, I don't know why we expect that everything in spiritual life, and I don't know that you do this, but may I just say this general comment. There seems to be a tendency to expect that the Holy Spirit's just going to come and blow like the wind, because he does, but that that, that means that you're not going to have any struggles to learn how to walk with God. And I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I've never found... I have, have had wonderful miracle moments, and I treasure them. But the way I've learned to walk with the Lord is like riding a bike. And sometimes when I fall, I fall on other people and bruise them. <laughs> At least on that little bike, it was just me on the street. You know, I didn't hurt that cement a bit. But, you know, that's the way we grow. That's the way we learn. That's the way it is. Good Sabbath. All right. So (laughs) he is, he goes on to say these words. um, These things I've spoken to you, verse 25, while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I've said to you. I'll stop there for a minute. The reason to read your Bible, if you have a Bible, it's a great gift from God. So many people around the world are craving to own a Bible. And I do understand that in Malawi or anywhere else, God can speak to people supernaturally, and they can walk with the Lord, and people didn't have Bibles through the centuries. 
Also, the church dominated and confused people because they didn't have Bibles and oppressed them because they didn't know what the Bible said, and the church told them what the Bible said, and it wasn't always what the Bible said. So we don't want to glorify that time and say it was wonderful (laughs) because it was a bit of a problem, too. So it's two sides to the coin. But if you want Jesus to bring to remembrance all things that he said to you, make sure you get the connection going where he's saying things to you and let him say it to you in the scriptures is one of the main ways he does it. It's not the only way. But when you read the Bible, even if you don't understand it, don't worry about it. Just read. Read slowly. Read carefully. Read thoughtfully. Talk to the Lord as you're reading and say, I don't understand this verse. In fact, I don't understand this whole chapter. You know, but Lord, show me something out of it that will help me and remind me of what you're saying. And it's funny how later on those things will come to you. Because the Holy Spirit in you is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about when he says, I'll send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you and bring things to remembrance. What was good then and being predicted to them and directed to them then is existing right now in 2015. 2,000 years later, the same Holy Spirit is working the same way in our lives. Is that amazing? And it, it, it'll happen. And, and again, you're riding a bike. There will be days where you're just falling off and getting back on. And there'll be days where it's like you're coasting. You just read one verse. I still don't understand this, but I thank God for it. Sometimes when I'm lazy and I haven't read and I feel guilty. Now, does anybody here relate to me? Okay. And I'm a pastor, so I get that little added, you know, you get it for whatever you, but I get to have that. You're a pastor, you jerk. Okay. And here you've got more time than anybody to read. And look at you. And then I go, Lord, I'm so sorry. I haven't even spent time with you today. And I stop and read two or three verses. It amazes me how God speaks to me. He doesn't, now, he encourages me. You, I say to myself, you fool. You could have been feeding on the Lord. You could have been hearing things from him and being strengthened, and you weren't. I don't feel, God, I don't ever sense God saying, uh, no, you, you spent four hours not thinking about me, so I'm going to spend four hours not talking to you. No, that was when you were in fifth grade, okay? God's not a fifth grader. Don't give him that that identity. Yeah, you didn't do this. Or maybe you've watched your parents or your brothers and sisters do it. Maybe we are all fifth graders even when we're older. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. Ha-ha on you. You know, I'm not, you didn't, so I'm not. Well, that's human, (laughs) and it's sickening, isn't it? It's immature. God is so gracious. He'll meet you. You know, you've been away from him for weeks and weeks, maybe. But if you go and turn and say, Lord, I just want you. I'm not going to try to impress you. That's over, right? I've been away from you, kind of focused on other things and not allowing you to do things in my life. And I just want to focus on you right now and be with you. And I make no pretense that I deserve anything. You know the way to receive from God is to understand that you don't deserve anything. And don't base it on, you know, because if the guy who goes to the Lord, I've been with you for 40 years, I've always done what you told me to do, I expect a blessing today, for, I'm going to move away from that person because I think in a lightning bolt. That's <laughs> self-righteousness. But the guy that went into the back of the temple and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I just always think of this verse. It absolutely blesses me almost more than any other Bible verse. Because Jesus is talking to a crowd of fishermen, uh, 
people, working class people, uh, the religious leaders are standing off going, I can't believe this guy. And the rest of the people are just hungering. And there's prostitutes and there's publicans and tax collectors and a mixed mosh of people who just have always been pushed aside like you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And Jesus says to this crowd of people, put yourself in their sandals, brother, sister, put yourself in their sandals. This isn't the 80th time they've heard this. They haven't been sitting in church all their life. They haven't been listening to Bible studies on the radio. They've never heard any of this. They've never been taught like this. All they've ever heard is you're not measuring up. You're not good enough. That's all they've ever heard. Here's how to be good enough. Be like us, the religious leaders, and you're not. And Jesus says this publican who beat on his chest and wouldn't even come all the way in the door said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he said, that man went home justified by God. The ears of the people listening, what? It isn't like you going, I'm glad for that. Yeah, man, I need that kind of help from God. No, they're blown away. They're almost scandalized. You can't mean that, Jesus. You're saying that this evil person who's been away from church, away from the kingdom, is doing wrong things and he knows it and is rejected by everybody who's in the church. But he prayed. And the man who stood up front, who we all think is Superman, in his outfit and his money, because his money equals blessing from God, and blah, 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 this guy's got it, and he went home unrighteous, and that man at the back went home righteous. It was scandalizing for the Pharisees to hear. It was overwhelming for the average person to hear. And in that group of people, I am absolutely certain, and if God corrects me in heaven, it won't matter anyway, (laughs) I'm absolutely certain that there was people that had just prayed the day before or that morning, a prayer like that guy, who thought, I wonder if God would, you mean he heard my prayer? God hears your prayer. God knows your heart. God's there for you. He's not going to do it the way that you have fit into your box. He's going to blow the doors off your box. And you're going to struggle sometimes because he doesn't want you trapped in yourself. And nobody else can fix that for you. No counselor is going to fix that for you. I'm sorry. No counselor is going to fix it. They might help you unfold yourself and unpack some things. I get that because I counsel, but I would do it with the scripture, the best I can do to help people see this kind of thing and say, when you go to God, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Here's what God says in his word. Now, you can accept that right now or you can reject it. That's your choice. But here's what God wants you to know. And my friends, there are people who are better at all this than I am. But you can't do better than that. You can't do better than go to God with an open heart. You can't do better than go to your knees and humble yourself. I tell couples, if if you're a couple struggling and you both go to your knees and say, God, we just need you, all the other stuff, all we know is we're completely lost, our relationship stinks, and we need you. God isn't going to, oh, well, no, no, I won't help you. An individual, a couple, a family, a church family. If we go to our knees, we humble ourselves and say, God, we just really need you and we're willing to let you be in charge. 
what is he going to do? I mean, this is where when Janet said, do you believe what you really believe? You know, that man went home justified, but he didn't know it. He didn't know it until Jesus told him in that group. When Jesus told that group of people, now all history has heard that story. Now all those guys like that guy can know that they at God heard their prayer. Because before that day, it was very iffy. You're not good enough. We're not here to make everybody here good enough for God. Okay, now next week I expect you to be good enough. All right, and you, you've had three weeks. (laughs) So by the end of this service, you better be good enough. I mean, who's going to be able to do that? Are you? Peter said to, Peter said to the, all the big gathering of religious leaders, why are we putting a burden on these Gentile people that we and our fathers were not able to bear? We never kept God's law. We never did it right. We never fixed it. We never got ourselves 100% right. Do you realize what he's saying to these religious Jewish Christian now believers? You think, well, they're Christians now. Like, like, like that solves everything? They have a history. Their whole entire life and history has been Judaism. They're not even out of it yet. They haven't figured it out yet. They're struggling right in this moment. Peter says, why are we putting this burden that we couldn't do ourselves? It's funny how we, that's such a natural thing. In your own frustration, you can lay a lot of stuff on others. I'm sure I've done it right from this spot right here. But never again. No. (laughs) I'm aware of that. Are you aware of that in your life with your children, with other people in your lives? But to challenge and encourage, listen, God hears you, he cares about you, and he does want you to do better. There is a time to challenge. But... Since we need to finish, since we finished at first service and didn't go anywhere down this road, uh, <laughs> these things I've spoken to you being present with you, but the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit, when the Father will send my name, he'll teach you these things and bring to remembrance all the things I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Can you imagine him saying this to a group of completely discombobulated guys? You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. That doesn't make them happy. That confuses them. If you loved me, you'd rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. That will make them feel good. That confuses them. Hope you're getting comfort here. (laughs) And now I've told you before it comes to pass that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Ah, I'm not telling you now this because I think you'll get it now. I'm telling you this because I'm going to remind you later, and then you'll realize I really know what I'm talking about. So sometimes you just can't know what you're going to need to know until God allows you to know it and reveals himself. And that's why you humble yourself and say, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get this until God makes it really clear to me, but I'm going to, I know which direction to go. And they did too. They knew to stick with Jesus. Through all of it, they, they did stick with him by his grace. So, and now I've told you, okay, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world's coming, and he has nothing in me. Now, what are they thinking? The ruler of this world. Is Herod coming? Is, is Caiaphas coming? Is, uh, um, what's, is Pilate coming? You know, who's coming? They don't know it's Satan. They might have some idea. They are, these guys are pretty much at buzz and tilt right now. <laughs> they're staring at Jesus going, 
And you probably that look like, do you get what he, no, I don't, you know, I was like looking around to see if anybody gets what he's saying. And nobody does. Arise and let us go. I love Jesus. I'm glad he doesn't lower himself to my understanding level because that would destroy the universe. <laughs> you want to destroy the universe? Have God lower himself to your level. He comes to you at your, where you are, but he doesn't lower his capacity to your level. And he's not, he's not um, scandalized. You can yell and scream at him. You can jump up and down and dance in circles. You can tell him what you expect him to do. And he's just going to be who he is. And if you want him to be less than that, you actually don't want him to be God. You want to be God. If you want God to be less than he is and come underneath you, submit to you, you don't want him to be God. You want him to be your servant, and you're in charge. And we don't mean to be that way. And yet it happens to us time and again. So I love him because he forgives me for doing that. He forgives you for doing that. He loves you and knows you're going to do that. And he's not going to bend and bow before men and women who are confused. (laughs) He's not going to do that. He loves you too much to let you win, to let me win. He knows how to be firm and loving all in one, and there's no flaw in it. I don't know how to do that, so... Don't look for me to be that way. Don't look for your mate to be that way. Don't try to have another person be Jesus for you. They can't do it. They can't do it. But he's going to appear and disappear and appear and disappear, and they'll see him again, and he's showing them that while he's not going to be there physically permanently, he's going to be there permanently through the Holy Spirit. And so he says, exactly what was promised to you, that's what's going to happen. Exactly what God promised I was going to do, I'm going to do. Not only for you, but for the people that you're going to tell when this is all over. Peter tells us in his own journey, in 1 Peter 1.8, talking about our relationship with Jesus, this gnosis, this personal knowledge of him, whom having not seen you love. See, we never saw him raised from the dead. We never saw him appear and disappear as he's going to do whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Which means, do you have that every moment? Inexpressible joy, full of glory? No, but as you believe, as you say, okay, right now I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to yield these things to you. The peace that he promised is the peace that surpasses understanding. Finally, thank you for your patience, but it really is for your benefit. You know, when my daughter, Beth, or my granddaughter, or my son, or my grandkids, when kids are, are really young and they're three years old, and something bad's happening, and they're crying, you know, you can't tell them, hey, look, look at me, look right here. Two months from now, you won't even remember this, all right? Two years from now, you won't remember this ever happened. You're fine. Does that work? Does logic work? No, what works? Sometimes nothing for a while, but you wrap your arms around that child and you hold them. And the comfort of your presence and your stability, and and they still don't understand why they're having pain, why there's a bad thing happening. They don't understand why their toe hurts or something even worse hurts, even big things. 
they can't understand. What they can comprehend in some measure is the sense of your presence holding them. It's the peace that surpasses understanding. They don't understand. Don't give, let's not give ourselves so much credit that if God just explained it correctly, we'd all get it. <laughs> That's not true. There's things I just don't understand. And sometimes we say to God, that's our prayer, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand, I don't understand. I want to understand. And friends, I'm a guy who likes to understand. Don't misunderstand. (laughs) But I'm realizing that I'm just not going to understand everything. What I really want God to do is put his arms around me and hold me and help me and let me know that he's with me. And you know what? That was his promise And if you're not sensing it, you might be looking for something you want instead of him. That child can be stiff in the arms of that parent and resist and go, it's not enough you put your arms around. I don't want you to put your arms around me. Or that child can kind of melt in and just let that parent comfort them, can't they? Okay, so my encouragement today is let the Lord put his arms around you. We do want to finish with a song because I 